Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. And we are now pleased to go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line where we welcome on Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network, who you hear on this station each and every day with the Braves Morning Update. And you hear, of course, over on AM 1230 WAUD, a part of pre- and post-game coverage for the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. Kevin, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you this afternoon? Gentlemen, I'm just uh, having the uh, the countdown here, man. I'm counting the days, <laughs> counting the hours, counting the innings, so we can uh, get this thing cranked up. A couple of days of family time is great, but I'm, I'm just like the rest of the fans, man, itching to get back to the ballpark coming up on Saturday. Absolutely. It's been such a tremendous year for our Atlanta Braves, Kevin. And I start with a little bit of an arrogant question, but I think it's valid considering this team's success. What's your favorite record from this past year? <laughs> Well, how much time do you have? I mean, good good grief. I mean, it, it's just been one after another. And I think that that, to me, personally, is what makes this team so special is we, we've talked about it a lot on the pre- and post-game show, that every night this team takes the field, you've seen something that hasn't happened in 50, 75, 100 years, 150 years of franchise history. I'm going to go with Ronald, though. It's the safe. It's the easy one. Uh, but, you know, 40, 70, you know, coming off of a couple of years of where he was not anywhere close to where he wanted to be health-wise. We said it all season. It felt like he was a man on a mission from day one of spring training, and that's exactly what you've seen from Ronald this year. So it's been a blast. I mean, you know, the, the 40-40 is a great accomplishment, but then when you tack on 40-60 and then 40-70, he's literally creating his own clubs here. It's, it, as Domino jokes with me on the pregame show, it's not a list if you're the only one on it. So he has rewritten the history books, and he has created his own individual lists and I think that you know what he's done and that's not taking anything away from Matt Olson or the turnaround that Marcelo Zuna has had what we've seen from Spencer Strider historic numbers in the rotation uh it's been you know again we could do this all day long on things that this team has accomplished this year Uh, but again I think that the biggest to me is Ronald uh and look when you start talking about unbreakable records that feels about as close as you're going to see to anything we see in baseball here in 2023. And, and yeah, Kevin. I mean, we, we, there are so many records, but you know, one that really sticks out to me that I just find so neat. You go all the way back to the All Star break. How many players from the Braves made the All Star team? The entire infield. Yeah. I, I mean, that seems unheard of. It, it really does. I mean, eight All Stars. It, it's it's funny, uh, you know, because you, you start talking about you know these guys in the All Star break and getting some time off. Well, literally a third of your team didn't get that opportunity this yeah. year. It's first world problems, but you were flying out to Seattle for the All Star game. So yeah, it it really is. I thought that was a special moment. Like I said, we could do an entire you know hour worth of of just things that have happened this year and how special they are when you talk about you know again franchise history. You know, Matt Olson doing something that Hank Aaron never did. Uh, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. doing something that no player in the history of the game has ever done. Spencer Strider surpassing, you know, John Smoltz's single-season strikeout total. So, uh, again, it's, it's not taken away from anything else that's happened. I'll, I'll throw Bryce Elder in there as well. I think that what you have gotten from him now, again, he, I'm not going to say he's run out of gas, but he certainly doesn't look uh, the way he did earlier this year. But without Bryce Elder, think about where this team could have been. Um, so, again, you have a lot of unsung heroes as well. You've got the guys that have made the headlines, but you've got the guys that have done a lot of the dirty work behind the scenes that don't necessarily get that type of accolades. And I, I think, again, there, you know, there's, there's just so many special things that have happened. This is a, a definitely a season we'll be talking about for a long time to come. Yeah, uh, and obviously, the, you know, Acuna and, and, and all those other guys, but another guy that just really jumps out at me, 
is Marcelo Zuna. This is a guy that at the beginning of the year, just with the controversy with him, there was a lot of talk on, uh, you know, the, the controversy and he was not playing well. And, I mean, is he even going to be a part of this team? Holy goodness. Talk about dude that just turned it around and became an absolute force at the plate for this team. Yeah, for sure. And look, I'm, I know we're doing this over the phone. You can't see me. I'm raising my hand right now. I'm one of those guys <laughs> who said, how much longer can they put him in the lineup? How much longer can they afford to keep a roster spot? And that's the one thing that I think, and again, it's one of many things that Alex Anthopoulos, Brian Snicker, the front office does well. They don't make rash decisions. They don't make snap judgments. They're going to give guys uh, the ability to work their way through things. And that's what you saw from Marcel this year. Again, he hit 085 in the first 18 games of the year. He had two home runs. They were two solos. He had two RBIs on those two swings. Here he is, guys, 40 home runs. Uh, you can argue that he should be the comeback player of the year this year yeah. in, in Major League Baseball. And, and like I said, when you talk about the DH position and you talk about really your lineup one through nine, you're going to have silver slugger finalists in every position in your batting order at their respective spots this year. It really is incredible. But, yes, Marcel – for the uh, you know for the loyalty they showed him and him rewarding that loyalty, I think that there deserves a ton of credit on both ends there. Kevin, when we look back at that World Series run the Braves had a couple years ago, it was the 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 midseason, the the trade deadline acquisitions that really played a big role. This year, they they guys that got picked up around the trade deadline for the Braves haven't necessarily been the guys of that same level of the Soler and the Peterson. Uh, but talk about their contributions down the stretch after they were acquired in uh, July. Well, you know, I, I think Nicky Lopez has been a really good fit, right? A good piece to have on this team where, you know, he, he can a versatile defender. You can put, put him pretty much anywhere. Speedster on the bases. You know, you need to have that kind of guy when you get to postseason play. Uh, you talk about Pierce Johnson, a guy whose numbers were not great in Colorado, but the Braves felt like get him out of Coors Field. There's some metrics they really liked about him and his game, and it's shown up, you know, multifold here so he's uh, you know taken uh, a big role late inning in games he struck out the side the other night in the seventh inning uh, in the final weekend against the nationals that's the guy that the braves i think are going to look at in, in some of those higher leverage situations brad hand really good career numbers against lefties he certainly knows this division really well he's played on every single team in the national league so he's got a pretty good feel for philadelphia or miami whoever the braves do face uh, in the upcoming, you know, wild card division series, I should say. So, yeah, look, again, it, are they the biggest, flashiest names? No. But do you trust Alex Anthopoulos to go out there and make those moves that give you that depth that makes you stronger? I don't see why you would argue that. I mean, you trust the back of the baseball card for the players, and I trust the same when it comes to the GM and, and president of baseball operations. So uh, I think what he has shown is you don't have to go all in and get that one name, that one guy those don't always pan out, but those ancillary pieces are, are just as important. That's a big reason why the Braves uh, you know, hung a banner a couple of years ago. So, Kevin, let's talk about how this postseason sets up for the Braves. And obviously with the NLDS starting this weekend, some injury concerns for the Braves starting pitchers. Charlie Morton will not be available. Uh, Freed had to miss his last start with, I believe, a, bl- a blister or some sort of finger issue. So, First off, five-game series, much more easy to navigate than a seven. Is it foreseeable to have both Strider and Freed pitch twice in a five-game series? How do you think the Braves would try to line that up? 
Absolutely, yeah. You can have game one and two starters go four and five if it goes the distance. Uh, it, it is a little bit of a weird schedule for the division series this year. You play Saturday, you're off Sunday. You play Monday, you're off Tuesday. You play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So uh, the good news is, is that you can bring your game one and two starters back, and that's where you have a significant advantage over whoever you'll play, either Philadelphia or Miami. They've got to use Wheeler and Lozardo tonight. They've got to use Nola and Garrett tomorrow uh, so they've got to burn their top two guys, which won't be available in games one and probably two as well, unless you bring them back on short rest. And to me, if you're Rob Thompson or if you're Skip Schumacher, that signals, I don't want to say desperation, but, you know, if you're going back, uh, that to me shows that you don't trust those guys towards the, you know, the bottom half of your rotation. So, again, Braves are at a, at a, a distinct, uh, you know, advantage there. Here's the good news. Max Freed is on the mound at Truist Park tonight. Uh, they're doing some simulated action. Uh, they've split the team in half. Uh, they're actually on the field right now, freed through a 13-pitch first inning, and uh, from all indications, he threw the ball well. So that's an encouraging step in the right direction for Max. And, and look, you know, you can make the argument that if you do draw Philadelphia, you go Spencer Strider for game one. His lifetime numbers against Philly are remarkable, 6-0 and with a sub-2 ERA. I could argue Strider game one and freed game two makes more sense than vice versa. So, um, yeah, it, the, the pitching is certainly uh, a little bit different um, without Charlie Morton in there. Uh, but again, what you've gotten from, you know, Max and what you've gotten from, from Strider this year. And then, you know, you look at that third spot. Is it Bryce Elder? Do you maybe go Kyle Wright with a fresh arm? We'll see what the Braves decide to do. But again, I, I think they feel pretty good about how they can line things up for games one, two, four, and five should it go the distance. And Kevin, probably the only question I would have for you about the lineup is the catcher position there in Sean Murphy and Travis Darno. And unfortunately, those two guys have both kind of equally struggled in the second half of the year, both hitting below 200. Do we see the pure platoon uh, from a game-to-game basis like we saw there in the regular season? Or the minute someone gets hot, do they start to get all the assignments? How does that look? I think Murph's going to catch most of the innings, to be honest with you. Uh, I know Darno did it a couple of years ago, but Murph's ability to limit the running game, I think, is huge. What he has done this year to cut down runners at second base, you know, teams are hesitant to run on. Uh, so to me, I think Murphy gets the bulk of the playing time. Uh, but it's nice to have a guy like Darno, you know, behind him that uh, if you want to mix and match a little bit, maybe it is a game three situation. Maybe you, uh, if you have to play a couple of days in a row, maybe you do throw him in there. But I think. Um, you know, being, being a few years younger, uh, you know, being a guy that has a little more power and being a guy that has a stronger arm behind the plate, I think those all lean towards them going with Murph for the duration and with a guy like Darno being available off the bench in a late game spot if you need to try to, you know, maybe change a game with one swing. Kevin, and you, you mentioned that you know they're doing some simulated action out there, some simulated games. They're doing those uh, open workouts where fans can come in and watch the games. How important is that uh, for this team to to have those where you get fans in the in the stadium? Can it kind of create a game like environment, especially with the layoff for the wild card round? Yeah, that's that's definitely huge. I mean, look, you want to do the best you can to try to keep yourself in game shape. Uh, you know, get used to. You know, still going out. Baseball players are such creatures of habit. And I know we talk about, you know, rest versus rust. And these guys, I think, to a man would tell you, they want to be out there. They want to be playing. They want to be doing And, again, they're not going to play nine-inning games. They'll probably play six or seven tonight, maybe six or seven or eight tomorrow. Uh, but I think just trying to stay in somewhat of a routine is important. You know, you don't want to take four or five days off. You don't want to get out of your rhythm when it comes to hitting. You don't want to have the pitchers. And the pitchers will take the rest because most of these guys have logged a lot of innings this year. But I think ultimately the hitters are the ones who really want to stay sort of in, you know, game-type atmosphere. And, and, you know, a lot of these guys have told me over the years, 
when you get a stretch where you play 15 days in a row, 20 days in a row, or, you know, 23 out of 24, um, you know, when, when you're really, you know, just kind of dialed in, that's when you're at your best. So, yeah, the rest is nice, being able to take your foot off the gas a little bit, but I think you want to be careful of not doing that too much uh, and, you know, getting yourself out of where you need to be because, remember, in the next opponent, they're going to be playing this week, so they're going to be seeing live pitching. They're going to be running. They're going to be doing everything they would typically be doing. Um, so I think for me, you know, having these next couple of nights at the ballpark will be beneficial. I think, you know, they probably saw some things last year uh, getting that layoff that they didn't like, so they're going to try to at least do the best they can to, to simulate at least what somewhat of, a, of a, a daily routine would be for these guys. We're talking to Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network today on Sports Call. Kevin, last one for you. It's going to be either the Marlins or Phillies. It's going to be a National League East bout in the NLDS. Uh, just based off of, I don't know if there's a preferred team here because obviously Atlanta's seen them both, had pretty good seasons against both, really had pretty good seasons against everybody. But, yeah. I, I mean, is there is there any any one matchup that would concern you more on, on either one of those teams or anything that would that would maybe tip the scales more even, just, just anything matchup-wise that you would look look at? Well, well, you guys know Philadelphia is my hometown, and hopefully nobody is tuned in from there right now because I know all of us here are rooting for the Marlins because Philadelphia is certainly a tough draw. With the way they're swinging the bats, with Schwarber and Turner and Harper and Real Muto and Marsh and Stott, it's a good lineup. It's a really good lineup. Uh, with Wheeler at the top of their rotation, he's a really tough customer. He's got great lifetime numbers against the Braves. So for me, uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping Miami can go in there and pull off the upset. I will warn folks, though, if you do draw Miami, it's a team playing with house money. They have not been to the postseason in a full year uh, since uh, 2003 when they won the World Series. Remember, they got in in 2020. It was the COVID-shortened year when they expanded playoffs. So it doesn't really necessarily count as much as it does for a 162. Uh, and again, maybe playing with house money. Uh, but I think, you know, <laughs> give me the Marlins over the Phillies. Uh, that pitching staff is good. Their lineup stuff. And we saw it firsthand last year. The atmosphere at Citizens Bank Park was really, really tough on opponents. Um, so hopefully, you know, Jesus Lazardo goes in there, quiets those uh, Philly fans down a little bit, maybe takes them out of the game early. Maybe it's uh, Jorge Soler or Jake Berger early home run that maybe sets the tone for Miami tonight. But, again, it won't be easy. Um, so, for me, I think Philadelphia, of all the teams in the playoffs, might be the toughest draw for the Braves. If they can get past Philly, I like their chances against anybody. He's Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network joining us today on Sports Call. Kevin, the time's been greatly appreciated. I know, again, game one Saturday across the Braves Radio Network, including AM 1230 WAUD, Monday game two, Wednesday through Friday, the, the if necessary game starting Thursday and Friday. I, I guess we don't have an inkling of the time just yet. We'll root for some night games and look forward to hearing your coverage across the Braves Radio Network. Certainly appreciate the time today. Sounds good, fellas. Thanks.